Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and this week I'm rejoined by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson, who's back from his break last episode. Are you excited to be back, Ed? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's a, a nice little annual leaf on the podcast, but obviously I tuned in and listened to um, Liv's podcast during the during the editing of that and yeah it was great to listen to it and um if anyone's if any of the listeners you know listening now haven't checked that out highly recommend um doing so there's a lot of a lot of good tips in in that specific podcast related to the topic yeah even though we gave you a break from hosting we didn't give you a break <laughs> from editing so thank you for that <laughs> um but no it's great to have you back uh, and we're also joined today uh, by lucy pembayan who is the founder of leaf translations how are you doing today, Lucy? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Happy to be here. Excellent. It's great to have you. Uh, and uh, another guest from, I think, a completely different type of company or agency to any that we've had before, mm-hmm. um, which we will go into very shortly, because uh, Lucy is doing some really exciting work bringing SEO and translation together, uh, which is a, a brand new topic for the podcast. I don't think we've ever covered anything even remotely like that before. Um, And we know Lucy through uh, actually working with Leaf um, at Impression. Uh, We've worked uh, with with Leaf on a number of translation projects over the past few months and really felt that uh, Lucy had something new to bring to the podcast um, that that possibly a lot of SEOs wouldn't have considered before uh, or wouldn't necessarily know in much detail, uh, even even if translation is something they have come across. Um, so, Lucy, we're, we're very grateful to have you today. Uh, no problem. And as usual, we, we start with finding out a bit more about you, if that's all right. Um, so, yeah, just the, the bird's eye view of how you got to where you are today, uh, maybe a little bit about kind of uh, where Leaf came from and, um, and what it is that you do now. Okay, so I've been working as a professional translator for a long time now, probably longer than I would care to admit. Um, um, So it it probably started back in around 2003 when I um, was doing my year abroad. So I studied German at university. And as part of that, I got to do an Erasmus year in a small town in Germany called Bamberg, which is incidentally the town with the most breweries per capita in the world I think there's like there 11 breweries <laughs> um, a very small town so that kind of gives you an insight into my year abroad um yeah and when I was there I studied some translation modules and just really enjoyed um sort of the process of translating and then when I graduated in 2005 um I had so I graduated with a German degree and I kind of felt like my German wasn't good enough to have a degree in it, which is, it possibly tells you more about my own sort of perfectionism and (laughs) self-critical nature than it does about how good my German actually was. But um, it kind of prompted me to want to go back to Germany and study um, for a master's degree. So I managed to get a scholarship and I went to a really small town, basically in the middle of nowhere called Fulda in Germany and spent two years studying intercultural communication. Um, and that was it was really interesting actually because it was uh, there were 30 of us on the course 10 of them were German and then the other 20 were from all over the world completely different countries Um, so it was really interesting kind of studying intercultural communication but also um, I guess living it on a day-to-day basis and um, 
it get, kind of gave a really interesting insight into how people from different cultures kind of think differently and approach tasks differently and um yeah just how kind of culture and language shapes a lot of different things that you don't necessarily think about when you're at home immersed in your own culture it's only kind yeah. of when you're thrown somewhere else that that becomes apparent so um that was really interesting and then i did an internship at a translation agency in germany um and that kind of gave me an insight into the translation industry i guess um, yeah and yeah i just i really enjoyed again the process of translating and then being the only brit at the university that i was at and um, when they needed someone to translate their website into english i kind of got the job by default which was um, <laughs> a nice twist Handy. of fate for me <laughs> yeah and yeah. um, so that was kind of my first foray into working as a freelance translator and i okay. just i absolutely loved it um, and then when i graduated i moved to berlin um to work in another agency a translation agency um living in berlin was amazing such a cool city uh, yeah. <laughs> it was um yeah it was fantastic so i worked in-house then and did some freelance on the side and then when i moved back to the uk in 2008 I basically worked as a freelance translator from that point um, okay. for a long time. And then when I had kids 2012, um, I kind of, it gave me kind of time to, I guess, retrospect and think of, take a step back. Um, and I'd started to feel a bit like a hamster on a wheel. So when you're, the way translation works is it tends to be um, calculated by the word or even by the character. So okay. freelance translators get paid often based on the quantity so literally on the number of characters that they translate yeah um so you can start feeling a bit like a hamster on a wheel like just churning out translations um and i kind of wanted to shift the focus i guess back onto quality rather than quantity rather than just churning out endless amounts mm. of words for agencies so in 2017 i set up um, leaf translations yeah um, and so really with wanting to focus on quality rather than on than quantity and also i i kind of felt like the translation agency was dominated by these massive agencies that were all quite um kind of lacking in personality and mm. it all felt a bit corporate yeah if i can say that and you, so you are allowed of, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah i wanted to create a translation company that had the focus more on personal service Okay. Um, and also on ethical business, which is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so now coming up to where we are today, um, Leaf Translations now offers dozens of different language combinations. And we, we specialize in um, so tourism translations, marketing, website translations, so Amazon listings, and then SEO translations and multilingual keyword research. So it's been kind of a long journey coming to where I am today, but I feel yeah. like all the different steps in it have kind of all come together to yeah. bring me it, where I am. It's a really interesting background and, and it's easy to see how it will give you a very different perspective on, on SEO and what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah. But just on, on the sustainable business point quickly, I know this is something you're really passionate about and it'd be nice to mention as a, as a quick little side topic. Um, what does that actually look like for Leaf? Because I think it's very... There are many different ways that a business could describe themselves as as sustainable. But for a digital agency, where maybe we're not producing kind of you know, products from sustainable sources or something, it's maybe a little bit 
harder to see what that actually means. And um, so for Leaf, what does that what does that actually mean for the business? Yeah. So um, I, for me, I think I, th- I think I feel like any business can and really should be ethical. Like mm. you say, for certain certain industries, it's kind of much easier to do it in a tangible way. For example, clothing, you can make yeah. sure you use like ethical materials and um, so on. So for me, for Leaf Translations, um, the focus is. Well, it's, there's kind of two different focuses. So one of the main ones is sus- sustainability. So we are um, a carbon neutral translation company. So we offset okay. all our carbon. We plant trees um, each month. Yeah. And um, yeah, we try to basically minimize our our carbon emissions and and also encourage other companies and people in business and individuals to do the same. So um if you follow me on linkedin you'll see i quite often post a lot of stuff about how to be more sustainable yeah. and tips for um different like good businesses doing the same thing um and then also to me ethical business is about um i guess treating people with respect and treating yeah. people fairly and not exploiting people and so uh, because i work with a lot of freelancers it's about paying them a fair amount and not putting pressure on them to reduce their prices paying mm. people on time and just kind of shifting the focus i guess away from profit and toward more towards doing good and being a good role model and making yeah. a difference that's awesome that's a nice i guess a nice little aside that um if if people haven't come across some of those ideas before or kind of wondering what it looks like in digital there's there's a nice a few little points there that uh, people can take out of it, which is awesome. Um, but just back to your um, your current role now, uh, and I guess we'll move into SEO a bit more with this question as well. Um, what does your what does your day to day work look like for you at Leaf now? Okay, so um, I say I probably split my time sort of three ways between three different things. So mm. a third of my time I, I spend translating from German into English. So that is kind of that is my profession and I, I still really love the process I find translating immensely satisfying it's I kind of liken it to when you do a jigsaw and you complete the jigsaw and you get that real like satisfying feeling or like yeah. doing a crossword or a sudoku that kind of when it just fits into place nicely for me that's yeah. I get that from translation um, and then another third is sort of project management so as I said before Leaf is very much based around the idea of providing a friendly and personal service. Um, yeah. And, um, so a lot of what I do now is supporting SEOs in international SEO. So um, we provide multilingual keyword research and localization um, for various markets. So part of what I do is liaising with SEOs and digital marketing agencies and then liaising with um, SEO translators and managing the projects, basically making sure that everything's working on time and yeah. the correct processes are being followed and just making sure that we do a really good job, basically. Um, and then the final third is sort of more business development stuff, which sure. I also find really interesting. <laughs> I'm very lucky to be honest. Yeah. Sounds like a great job for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's more like marketing and um, writing content for the Leaf website and networking and podcasts. So, um, yeah. Yeah it's very enjoyable I'm, I'm very lucky in what I do fantastic and you mentioned SEO there uh, touched upon how it's actually a, a quite a big part of your role now yeah. um, so where did the interest in SEO come from as part of your your work in translation so um, again another interesting story so back in 2009 so just after 
myself and my husband moved back to the UK. Um, we timed our move back to coincide perfectly with the global economic crash. Oh, there were no jobs. <laughs> well, no jobs. We thought we moved because Berlin's back then anyway, it wasn't great for, for employment. Yeah. A lot of sort of casual jobs, but in terms of actual starting a career, it wasn't ideal. So we thought we'll move to the UK and then yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the the crash kind of ruined that idea. Yeah. Um, so we um, we decided to basically set up an e-commerce business. Um, so my husband's from Indonesia and his sister actually has a fair trade company in Bali. Okay. Uh, so we worked with her um, to set up this e-commerce business selling fair trade handicrafts. Um, so it was really a process of kind of learning by doing. Obviously, with an e-commerce business, you need SEO to succeed mm. like if, you, if your website doesn't rank if you don't get any traffic you don't get any conversions um, yeah so we kind of had to yeah learn by doing so I was in charge of writing all the copy so I obviously needed to um, find out about keyword research and incorporating keywords into the text etc yeah. so that was yeah. kind of an initial insight into it and then my husband got a job in SEO um, okay that same year so he started as a link builder in an agency in Leeds and over the past 12 years, he's kind of worked his way up to a technical SEO strategist. Um, and I, over those last 12 years, I've kind of learned SEO vicariously through him. So yeah. I am, um, I, I really like, I'm the kind of person that I like to know how things work and to kind of understand things. I find it really interesting. So I'm forever picking his brain um, <laughs> over the dinner table about, <laughs> about SEO. Um, so I kind of learned through that. And then through having leaf translations as a business owner with a website obviously yeah. seo is also very relevant in that respect of so course I, yeah so i've been um yeah basically trying to apply all these techniques and best practices to help grow leaf as well so yeah so that's kind of in a nutshell awesome well that's what we'll go into a bit more uh, and in fact from from this next question really we we want to really dig into what SEO in translation looks like and why that's something that's helpful for any SEO to know, uh, even if, like myself, they are not someone who uh, can speak a second language and do translations <laughs> ourselves. Uh, there's still some concepts here that are, are really important. Um, so after speaking to you beforehand, it sounds like it will be helpful to define some different terms first. Uh, and I have to say that some of these terms that we'll, we'll talk about, I hadn't particularly come across before. Um, so can you just talk about the, the difference that you see between terms like translation, uh, then SEO translation, uh, and also localization? Yes, of course. So um, translation is essentially it means adapting a text for a different language, I would say. So translation is always to do with the written word, not to be confused with interpreting which is um, what they do in the European Parliament, for example, with the spoken word, and which I was yep. terrible at. So it's a completely <laughs> different discipline. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the aim for a, a good translation is to create a text that sounds like it hasn't been translated, essentially. Okay. So you want to create a text that sounds like it's been written in that language. Um, yep. And translation itself, it ranges from literal or word, word, word for word translation yep. to something called transcreation so on the one hand literal translation um that's essentially what tools like google translate do and it also tends to be people who haven't translated before who may speak another language and they 
try their hand at translation initially mm. it tends to be more like a literal translation where you literally translate sort of word for word yeah so a simple sentence for example in german ich habe eine katze is i have a cat so yeah. for sentences like that it's completely fine but then you come across um idioms and words so there's a word in german gensehaut which is used quite a lot and if you translate that literally into english it means goose skin okay. sounds quite disgusting <laughs> but it's actually it's actually the term they use for goosebumps so oh yeah so if you translate so as you see with a literal translation that would be that would just cause a lot of confusion yeah um, and there's loads of examples of these like if you imagine a spanish person for example um eating out in a restaurant in yorkshire say and they see toad in the hole on the menu <laughs> and they translate that into spanish they're going to be really confused when a yorkshire pudding with sausages arrives on their table yeah um, if they would order it at all i was gonna say i'd be impressed <laughs> if they would order it in that situation yeah. <laughs> um so then that's sort of the one extreme of translation and then the other extreme is something called transcreation, which is a bit like it's kind of a hybrid between translation and copywriting. So this tends to be used for sort of advertising and marketing texts when you kind of need to, I guess, advertising slogans are quite often um, they use word plays and mm. um, things that as we a bit like with Genza, how you can't translate them literally because it, it wouldn't work for the other target for the target audience so you yeah. have to kind of play around with them a bit to get the same idea across possibly using yeah. a different metaphor um so that's transcreation and then localization on the other hand is about adapting content for a different market so it's not always okay. a different language with localization um so one a good example of this is a uk business maybe selling I don't know, baby products and they mm. want to expand to the US market, for example. So for them, there wouldn't be any translation involved, but you would need to change quite a lot of the wor the words within the content on the website. Because yeah. obviously like they use stroller instead of push chair. And so the names yeah. of the products, but then also how um I guess the tone of voice that they use. I don't know if you've ever seen any um TV ads from America. Um if you compare them yeah. to TV ads in the UK, they're really like full on selling. Yeah. So they're like yeah. difference. If you look, if you watch them, it's really like, whoa, okay. You feel kind of like you've been, I don't know, like it's just someone sort of shouting, bye, bye, bye. At you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to the UK. But that's just, that's the way it is in that culture. And mm. it's like that across the world for different cultures. And so localization is really about adapting content um with a different culture or or market in mind but it also includes things like changing the currency um ensuring the seasonality fits so for example if uh, in australia obviously they have winter different time of year to us um, and also making sure that the products kind of fit the market yeah mm -hmm. so it's kind of a broader term than translation seo translation is um translations I guess inc that incorporate SEO best practices. So traditionally, it does include keyword localization and multilingual keyword research. Yeah. Um, but it, it also includes when you translate that you incorporate the correct keywords. Um, and then it also means translating things like title tags, meta descriptions, um, sure. alt tags, and then um, also includes like Amazon listings, PPC, and translating that sort of content yeah. as well.
Oh, cool. That, that's brilliant. And you can definitely see how some of those elements that you mentioned there maybe wouldn't necessarily be the first thought of someone doing translation without an SEO background. Yes, yeah. definitely. There's, you, basically, if you're doing SEO translation, you need someone that knows about SEO, that has a, a good understanding of SEO. Because as you say, for a, for a normal translator with a normal translation background, you probably wouldn't have been exposed to the the kind of I get the kind of knowledge that you need in order to do a good job on those things. So you can't yeah. do keyword localization if you don't know how to do keyword research, for example. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. No. Nice. I, I guess um, it'll be really interesting to learn from your experience, Lucy, and to understand going back to guess more from the SEO focus. You you touched upon a kind of, um, on the I guess the quality of the content, but. How common is it for kind of SEO to be part of that initial conversation when coming to translating online content? Is it the case that, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of scenarios where it's different, but is it the case that you really focus on like that country or culture first and therefore um, look to um, have a, like a second step where you look to be more informed from a, an SEO perspective in terms of search volume or popular searches um, around that topic? Or is it a case that it's quite embedded in that process as well? Um, so actually, generally speaking, it's very rare for SEO to be mentioned in the translation world. It's kind of, I feel like the translation industry is A, missing a trick and B, just massively behind in this sense. Um, so normally when people approach a translation agency, they will ask them about getting their website translated. And most translation agencies wouldn't bring up SEO. They wouldn't mention the need for the keyword research. Um, before the website is translated. So the remit is normally very focused on the translation only without this kind of broader approach to it. Um, yeah. So, but as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I feel like that's quite a big mistake. I feel like, um, I mean, I'm preaching to the converted here, but <laughs> SEO is really important. Um, yeah. And it's, it's as important to translated websites as it is to Transit for excuse me as it is for websites in the UK. So if you're wanting to expand internationally, you put a lot of effort into, um, I guess, what, translating your content. And then if that content doesn't contain the right keywords, if the website hasn't been optimized, it's not going to rank. You're not going to get the traffic, and you're not going to get the conversions. So for me, it's yeah. um, it's something that yeah, it kind of frustrates me a bit. But equally, it does mean there's a bit of a gap in the market that um, we're hoping to fill by kind of spreading the word that SEO is really important, including for translated websites. For sure. I was, I was going to mention, I think certainly we've seen um, just as like an agency serving um, as a search marketing agency, we've seen the likes of e-commerce companies or websites in the UK specifically wanting to expand out into different markets. So it feels like maybe whilst you mentioned that the, the translation world is maybe a slightly behind it may be something that's going to be spiking in the next few years in terms of that demand for companies wanting to expand into into different territories um i guess from like a, in your perfect world scenario then is when you start working with the translation process um for some of your clients does it does seo come into into your thinking at that that planning and research stage to kind of inform you of how to position the content and how to prioritize subjects or topics or anything like that? Um, yeah, so for us, um, when we when a client comes to us with a website translation um, or for, for example, for Amazon listings, uh, we always bring up keyword, mainly keyword research right at the beginning of the process because 
in an ideal world, the keyword research would be done before any work is done on the translation. Um, mm. We don't tend to offer too much advice on um, which content they should get translated unless they sort of specifically ask for it, to be honest. It's generally um, with the SEO for us, it's more to do with the keyword research um, and the importance of getting that right before you then start on the translation. Um, yeah. so, so the way we work is we would do the keyword research and create a glossary of the keywords. We usually start with the uh, the seed list of English keywords and localize those um, to make sure that we're using the right words with the correct with the best search volume and best chance of ranking. Um, yeah. And then we'd use that we'd provide that glossary then to the people translating the text, and then to make sure that the keywords are used throughout the translation on the right pages. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. kind of how it works. Nice. And I guess we've we discussed potential issues uh, a minute ago, but I, and I know this will vary from topic to, I guess, different websites as well. But what kind of challenges that uh, do you run into when looking for keywords that will work in translation? I imagine, you know, kind of direct translations is the is the obvious one. Um, yeah. Are you OK to kind of expand more into that slightly? I know you discussed briefly a minute ago, but are there any of the kind of critical areas that you feel are quite common as well? Yeah, so I, I think the main thing is that you need local cultural knowledge, um, sure. because if you don't have that the knowledge of the culture, then it's very hard to know how people in that culture search. Um, yeah. And you also need native speakers. You need people that can speak the language. Um, but for a similar reason, um, you can. I mean, Google Translate will get you so far, but you need to. Yeah, you need that knowledge as well as different cultures and languages have different search behaviors um, and so you really need that the kind of the local knowledge to to understand that and know which keywords um, to choose in that sense there's also the fact that different countries use different search engines um, yeah. so you need to use yeah. different tools for example so for baidu you need to use like dragon metrics or a tool different to say ahrefs um, mm. and then the fact that search volumes differ also can make it quite difficult in some in some senses. Um, so, for example, the UK market, as you guys probably know, is pretty highly developed compared to some other markets. So the search volumes are much larger. Yeah. Um, and then if, you, if you're doing keyword localization for countries with much lower search volumes, it does mean on the one hand it's often less competitive, so it is easier to rank, but it does make the keyword localization quite difficult. Um, we had one um, one assignment where we were localizing keywords for Japan. I think it was to do with software development, and it it turned out that most of the Japanese search terms were actually in English. So when we delivered the work, half of the keywords were in English rather than in kanji, and it, it was a bit like we have done this work. It, just, it may look like we haven't actually provided any different research, but it's just um, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah, very nice. so much. I was going to say, um, you mentioned it earlier on in terms of kind of the focus on quality. And I imagine with that approach, it's not a case of you being able to put, you know, translated uh, keywords or phrases or anything into a tool and that kind of spits that information out, but very much being a, a more of a consultative hand, right, in terms of educating the client or the website of the company in terms mm -hmm. of that difference in that market or that country in terms of how words or topics are perceived as, as such. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't really think about it until, um, I guess, like I said before, you're so immersed in your own culture, you don't necessarily think that other cultures use search engines in different ways and the way yeah. the languages don't match up one-to-one. -one. So it's it's just, you, yeah, you just don't, you don't consider it, I guess, until you actually come up against the issue. Um, mm. So, yeah, so part a, a large part of what we do is to kind of, yeah, I, I suppose, like you say, explain to, to clients and educate on um, the different way that pe that people do search and and the, when you translate the reason we always work with native speaker translators for a similar reason it's the cultural understanding and the knowledge of the right tone of voice to use the right call calls to action to use and they differ from market to market and from language to language and it's the kind of thing you you can only really um, do it correctly if you have that that knowledge and then yeah. so you can't kind of yeah if i was translating even if i was translating into german um which i wouldn't do because it's not i guess part when you're a translator you always translate into your native language because you're basically creating a, a really high quality text in that language and yeah. although my german's good it's not good enough to write a flawless text without any mistakes but also my cultural knowledge of germany i've lived there for quite a while but it wouldn't match up to that of someone who was actually born into that culture and has that deep understanding. I've got a, I've got a little follow-up to that that um, is not in the questions I sent you, so sorry if this is a bit of a curveball. But <laughs> no as you were talking there, it made me think about localization and translation, I guess, together. Because um, you said how having that, that native cultural knowledge is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but I wondered, how important is it to have a native of a country uh, versus someone who who is kind of maybe a, a native speaker of a of a language but from a different country so i'm thinking that someone who speaks spanish from spain mm -hmm. doing a website which is going to go live in mexico for example yeah um i guess in a similar way to probably a, an english speaker like me might might still have a go at a u.s localization even if i'm not not from the us mm -hmm. um so is is that sort of workable for translations can can you go with that approach or would you always recommend having a native of the country if at all possible i think the ideal is definitely to have a native of the country but yeah. i think um in cases where the language is quite similar um and i guess i mean i think with the uk us so a, a british person I would say it would, it, yeah, it would be better to use someone from America because yeah. of the difference in the call to actions and sure. and just the kind of tone of voice, I think. Um, as a last resort, I'd say someone who speaks the language fluently would still be better than someone who doesn't, but yeah. it would be the ideal is definitely to have someone from that market specifically. Oh, cool. Yeah, I just wondered it. Um, something you said earlier just, just triggered it, so I thought I would ask. Yeah. Um, and just, just before we move away from keywords completely, um, I have to I have to ask the question that may have that may have occurred to people already as we've been speaking, uh, and certainly I, I think will come into a lot of um, people's thinking if they're not speakers of a second language. Mm -hmm. um, why why can't we just use Google Translate to translate <laughs> our list of keywords and run with it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a fair question. Um, the main my my main answer to that is you can't just translate keywords um, yeah. because the search volumes they just they don't match up um one to one between mm. between languages and cultures so there's an example of um the search term last minute holidays 
Um, so yeah. in the UK, that get the monthly search volume is over 100,000. Um, and then if you translate that phrase into French, the search volume is only 8,000. And it's just because okay. they just wouldn't use that term. They would use an equivalent, a different, a completely different term if they wanted to search for a holiday at the yeah. last minute. Um, and there's examples like that. It, the same applies sort of across the board to pretty much everything. Um, and so you need to do the keyword research for each target market. Um, so you can't just translate a keyword and expect it to have the same search volume. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, in order to do a good job, as we've touched upon before, you need to have a good grasp of the language and local mm. cultural knowledge. So, yeah, unfortunately, you can't just translate keywords using Google Translate. Yeah, I, I had a recent example of this myself um, where you'll be pleased to know we did end up working with a native speaker. So the story has a good ending. But Excellent. I started <laughs> one of a client, a client that Ed and I actually share um, was starting to have their kind of first tentative looks at, at new markets a few months ago. So I put their main keyword list through Google Translate to get just to try and get a sense of what volumes might be. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it, so they're an art client, they sell art online. And okay. I was doing it for German. And I quickly realized that there were three different words for paintings that were being <laughs> translated. And I was looking at this list, like I can immediately see, I've got no idea, even painting one of their most core words for the whole website. Yeah. There are three versions, and I've got no idea which one to choose. So <laughs> yeah. I had a, I had a firsthand experience of the limitations of Google Translate not that long ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite frustrating that it's not that easy, but yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> frustrating, but probably good for, you know, for translation businesses and things, because there's that oh, expertise yeah. that, uh, you know, the expertise is required and um, it's it's quite good to know that the machines aren't quite catching up with all yes. of our jobs yet. <laughs> yeah, yet. <laughs> um, but cool. So we'll, we'll move away from keywords now um, to kind of the the wider part of the translation process, I suppose. So um, once you've once you've looked at your primary keywords, started to build the glossary, and started to do some research. Um, what what kind of processes do you go through to make sure that like the, the brand and the tone of voice and other marketing messages actually stay intact like is that something within your remit or do you advise the business themselves on how to do that what does that process look like um yeah so it is within our remit not well generally speaking when you do a website translation you're tasked with translating all of the content so that includes mm -hmm. that includes all the call to action all the slogans all the headings it's the whole shebang um so basically as professional translators it's it's basically our bread and butter it, it's what we yeah. do so Translators, um, we're not just people that can speak two languages. We are, um, you have to be quite a skilled writer. You have to be, for marketing, you have to be skilled at writing marketing copy, um, yeah. as well as skilled in the actual process of translation. Um, so I'd say, um, yeah, using native speakers with local cultural knowledge is one way, as we've talked about before. Um, having things proofread is also really important because. Even if you're a fantastic translator, when you you become very immersed in a text when you yeah. translate it, and it's quite hard to get the distance to um to spot errors. Um, yeah. So one thing translators can do actually is use there's a read aloud tool on Word, which I only discovered quite recently, but it's really oh, yeah. useful for kind of if you hear what you've written read back to you by a computer voice, it makes it really yeah. obvious where you've written things that just sound. That's really interesting. 
um yeah so that's quite a good tip if you ever write something like so you're writing a blog post and you want to make sure that it doesn't sound strange then that's yeah. a really good way of um checking it but um but yeah i mean there are a lot of examples of where translations or where marketing messages and slogans and things haven't kind of been given the care that they deserve and translated mm. or localized properly um yeah. so there's um there's a company a Canadian company that makes whiskey called Canadian Mist, and they try right. to expand into the German market, not knowing that Mist actually means manure in German. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of scuppered from the start. Um, and then there's a, there's another company um, in Italy called PowerGen that make I think they make batteries, and um, they yeah. were setting up their international website, and they went for a generic to um, top level domain powergenitalia.com which sounded fun oh, no. actually if, <laughs> as an english speaker if you read that out um it's it, you would tend to read it as power genitalia which yes. is something quite different to what they were hoping to achieve but so, um, in, in those situations um i don't know if you personally work with those businesses or if they were just things you heard of but if, if you were faced with something like that what what do you actually recommend if it's the brand name like with with Canadian Miss, so what what can they actually do about that? It's it's yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. It's not a it's not a company we've worked with. Um, I guess you either make a play of it. So if you're aware yeah. of it, I guess you could kind of turn it into quite a unique and funny marketing <laughs> <Yeah>. campaign. <laughs> um, and just kind of roll with it. I would probably take that approach. But I get it very much depends on the tone of the company, doesn't it? I guess and the kind yeah. of um the look they're trying to achieve we powered power i've got to say it correctly power gen italia yeah um, <laughs> yeah i guess advise them to not use that as a brand name yeah um, yeah so just choose a different domain yeah just choose a different domain because <laughs> that's never going to go down well yeah no that, that, that's really funny and, and a bit unfortunate for those companies yeah, as well really unfortunate. <laughs> um Cool. So when you um, get into the start of uh, a translation, really into the, I suppose, the, the meat and bones of the main, translating the main page copy, um, how easy is it to balance all of the different factors that you need to consider, especially when SEO is, is in play as well, uh, when you're trying to optimize the content, but also capture the tone of voice and uh, communicate um, the brand, meet any cultural differences? And how do you balance that? And and how much is it possible to even kind of focus on SEO with that much going on? Um, so for me, it's it's actually quite a natural process. So as a professional translator um, with experience, you just because you're always translating into your native language and I guess for your own culture, a mm. lot of it you just kind of do automatically without really thinking too much. Um, so I guess the main the main the difficulty is probably regarding um integrating the seo aspect of it so having the keyword glossary um does really help with that because it means you know exactly which which keyword to use so generally yeah. um you would can you would have the equivalent in the original in the source text as we call it so in the original language so whenever that word comes up you just make sure that you would use the right term okay. uh, so in that sense it kind of it's it's very similar to a copywriter who has a list of keywords that they need to incorporate into a blog post or into a landing page. Um, yeah. It's a similar process in that sense. Um, 
and I guess regarding so things like um, headers and titles, it's it's a sim it's a similar process really. It's just something that requires practice and experience, and that that's again why SEO translators do differ slightly from non SEO translators because it's having that knowledge and that awareness and the expertise yeah. of how to actually um, I guess put it all together so that you end up with a really high quality text that doesn't look like it's been kind of I don't know that the keywords haven't just been kind of thrown in um, yeah. as, a, as an afterthought it's about having it as part of the process from the beginning so you create like a really high quality text at the end. I guess that, and that's exactly the same approach to to say I would want to take when doing my kind of English work, just kind of in in my first language as well. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, as as we get towards the end of our time, I want to go slightly rogue from the list of questions one more time because there was just a thought that occurred to me that I think would be really helpful for our our audience um, okay. as an audience of SEOs. Um, and I just want to say, in an ideal world, um. When when would someone approach an agency like Leaf to help with translation? So particularly if you're an SEO like like myself or Ed, and you've got a client, or you're you're working in house at a single business, mm -hmm. and you are aware that there is a desire to expand internationally, um, at, at what point would you want to be involved in an ideal world? Um, so I would say for. Once you're aware of which markets you're looking to expand into, I would say at that point, get us on board and then we yeah. will help with the keyword localization. So before you map out all the content, um, you kind of need to know where there's um, search volume, I guess, and where there's where you need to translate the content and create equivalent content for that new market. So yeah. um, I would say at that, at that point, so once you've established which markets you're looking to expand into, um, then provide us with, if you provide us with a list of seed, a seed list of keywords, we would then localize them for you. And then you can use that data to map out the content of that website. Um, and, and then we would then be able to provide the translations um, as a result of that. So in line with where you see the best opportunities for the content. So that's kind of the ideal um, scenario. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it sounds like uh, in that situation, if you could work with someone who um, already has SEO knowledge on the other side as well, then it sounds like it could be quite a collaborative process. Um, yeah, definitely. I, and I think, through, for example, through our work with, with you guys at impression like it it worked really well together you have got yeah kind of the more of the technical seo knowledge and then we can provide the language services that you guys can't necessarily cover in-house um, and it's the same for all digital marketing agencies like your focus is obviously on on the seo itself and yeah you can't, it's just not feasible to expect digital marketing agencies to have people in-house who can um, cover all the different target markets oh in the yeah world. absolutely like it's, not <laughs> it's just not realistic so um so yeah that's kind of it, it i think it, it does work really well as a partnership um yeah in that sense um with our different focuses yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and i know i know sort of from first-hand impression that having these partnerships in place makes it possible for us to be involved in work that we we couldn't be involved in otherwise uh, and obviously, then it's great for you, you as well, because we can refer you work. So it's kind of a win-win all round, really, if, if 
you can form these sorts of partnerships and relationships. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that, like I said at the start, I think it's something that we're going to be seeing grow in 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 the future years, just because I think it's a um, just an, an, an area that people don't seem to expect until it, you know, you, you start getting to it in terms of the the requirement of it, and it's not just easy as you know popping up a, a new subfolder, a new website in a specific country, and there needs to be real thought into that that audience and the messaging behind it. So I think. You know, um, whilst we're seeing a lot of you know clients adapt to this space and in, invest in it, I think it's gonna gonna increase, especially in the next you know five to ten years. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I agree. And I, I think, like you say, it's not really something that you think about until you're kind of faced with it as an issue, and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah. it's like, okay, need to get help here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. I, that'll that'll pretty much do it for today. Um, thank you very much, Lucy. And we got one more question for you, if. If anyone wants to find you, uh, either social media or just get in touch another way, um, how can they do that? Uh, and is there anything else you want to mention for our audience before we finish? Um, yeah, so the best way to find us is on our, so our website is leaftranslations.com. Um, and yeah. that actually includes quite a detailed guide on multilingual keyword research. So if you are interested in finding a bit more about the processes, that's a good place to start. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. If you just search for Lucy Pembayan. Um, not the easiest name to spell, I, I admit, but um, hopefully you can find me on it, there. And it will be in I'm the also... episode. The, the episode notes and the episode title will have your name, so anyone should be able to Excellent. find you that way. Copy and paste job, that one, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm also on Twitter at Lucy Pembayan and uh, on Instagram at Lucy of Leaf as well. So um, I'm pretty much everywhere if you choose to look for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to have you. And, and I think this is going to be um, uh, hopefully an interesting and, and probably quite a new topic for a lot of people listening. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah, no problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, that will do it for this week's Rank Up podcast episode. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks time for more on-page SEO content as we continue to bring you a variety of voices from the industry in 2021. Um, but as always, we would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, it really helps us to get kind of our, our own organic visibility through the apps that way. Uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, and Ed and myself are on Twitter, so you can get in touch with us there if you want to, uh, at Ben J. Gary with two R's and at Ed JTW with two D's. Uh, and everything uh, that week goes on at impression can also be found at the impression blog at impression.co.uk slash blog you can find uh, all of the episodes there uh, for the podcast including some text highlights uh, as well as all of our other articles and anything else that we're doing um, and also we highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers um, if you are looking for more people to engage with on these topics or, or looking for people for your events or anything like that um, so that's everything for today. Lucy and Ed, thank you. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs>